0: You are listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. This is Michael Reed Trice, Director and Professor at the Seattle University Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Shane Martin, who's the Provost at Seattle University. At the start of this academic year, and with the Provost's commitment to imagination in the coming academic year, we've asked Provost Martin to join us in a conversation about Seattle University's strategic goals, about our shared curriculum, about the introduction of faculty fellows, and about looking forward to the success of curriculum in the university. I invite you to take a listen. You know, as we begin the year ahead, we're thinking of imagination in the center and imagining our growth as students and staff, faculty, and community. And the start of each year offers, we're thinking, an opportunity to imagine anew. And as you've reflected over the summer, Provost Martin, and perhaps we can start with this university's commitment to educating the whole human being with the impact of the pandemic and war or societal stressors as you imagine the year. What is the whole human being you have in mind and, and what do they need to flourish and grow today in the world?
1: Well, I'm very excited about the start of this academic year, especially as we reflect on where we've been the last two, three years dealing with uh, so many challenges, as you mentioned, the global pandemic and its ups and downs and thinking that we're we're done with it and then it it moves into a different direction. And so it's brought a lot of challenges. Of course, it's also brought opportunities. I feel that this year we'll be able to focus in a new way as a university community on our mission, on our vision, on our values. Coming out of the experience of pandemic the last three years or so, we now have A shared experience of getting through difficult times really a crisis if you will and at the center of all of this is exactly what you're asking about what does a commitment to educating the whole human being or the whole person what does that really mean and what does it mean in Jesuit education and how does that play out Mm -hmm. at Seattle University of course, that commitment is a long hallmark of Jesuit education, which has, you know, been in existence one way or another, almost 500 years. that centrality of care for the individual, care for that whole person, that education is not simply looking at the aspects of the mind, but it's that deep integration of mind, body, soul, spirit. And at the time that Jesuit educators introduced that into the curriculum, That was a radical idea. It was expanded, the notion of what it meant to provide an education or to be an educated person. And, of course, it comes out of uh, Ignatius of Loyola's deep sense of integration. If you think about his own journey, his own path, certainly he developed as an intellectual But in tandem, it was how he developed spiritually, how he developed emotionally, how he came to see the different parts of himself, and that his relationship with the divine, with God as he understood God, was also mediated through the relationships he had with humanity and with humankind. And for Ignatius, that was grounded in this this radical goodness that he saw in humanity and human experience. For Ignatius, of course, it was very much centered in his incarnational theology and belief of God choosing to be one with humanity through the incarnation, which of course just dignifies all of the human experience. And so where other educational pathways might have more of a mind-body duality and privilege, Mm -hmm. the education of the mind and ignore other aspects of what it meant to be human. Mm. Ignatius saw it all coming together. That was part of his lived experience and part of the educational philosophy that he instilled in all those who have followed Ignatian pedagogy. So in terms of what does that mean for us at Seattle University and the opportunity we have this year in particular, I think it touches on the needs that this generation of young people have and and what they're looking for, their hopes, their dreams, but also their pain and their challenges and their suffering. We know that depression rates are higher than ever. Mm -hmm. We know that there are great challenges with teen suicide. We know that younger people are struggling in many ways Mm -hmm. of these other aspects of their lives, mental health, et cetera. And so the kind of university that we are trying to build, that we aspire to be, is one that touches all of these aspects of our students and that that integrates. So what they're learning in the classroom can also connect to what they're experiencing in other parts of their education at Seattle University. I could talk about our strategic directions as well and how I believe our strategic directions is a pathway for this.
0: Well, I appreciate that and your comments also for the Ignatian sensibility to the real concern that students are experiencing as you're identifying and I'm sure seeing. And we know that's true in the university and in the community. And directly to your point, as we think about the whole person in our care, care of staff and faculty or care of leaning and thinking of alumni and, and the communities around us, to your point about the Seattle University strategic goals? How do these goals, or maybe even the goals you're thinking of at the moment, how did they help assist us in that flourishing of the community at SU that, that you have in mind?
1: Well, one of the things I most appreciate about our revised and reignited strategic directions, our strategic plan that President Eduardo Pino helped lead the community to, is that it puts the student at the center of our work. It puts the student experience at the center of our work. Mm -hmm. To be sure, we're a university. We're committed to a number of things, including excellence and research and scholarship, our faculty work, our great staff who support everything that we do. But at the heart of it is the teaching-learning, learning-teaching relationship that involves students and faculty supported by our staff. So, the students are very much at the center of our work and we have to ask ourselves, who are our students and what do they need, what are they looking for, and how can we best prepare them for the world that they will inherit after the university experience with all of its opportunities and all of its real challenges? And in the Ignatian frame, also how we preparing them to be leaders, to be people of compassion and conscience and people who have the competency to truly make a difference, but that strong moral compass in whatever field they choose to be leaders, but leaders who are committed to enhancing the social good of our society and of our world on multiple frames. So as I think about the strategic direction and its goals, I see a key area in our first goal which is to reimagine and revise our curriculum. Okay. Of course, we do have a foundational goal, which is to anchor everything we do in our Jesuit character as an institution. And then we move to our first stated goal to reimagine, and revise the curriculum. This is where I'm so hopeful that Seattle U will be positioned to be that university of distinction in the future that will offer the educational opportunity and experience where students will will engage as whole persons um, the real challenges and opportunities that we have. So the president has helped us think about some of the key challenges that we have in society. And one of our goals over the next few years, working with the faculty, in fact, I should say led by the faculty, is to focus on some key areas and to do so in a way that integrates different aspects of the university experience. So we're looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, our commitments to social justice, how those are integrated throughout the curriculum. Certainly it's an area of core strength at Seattle University. And we can go deeper Mm -hmm. and we will go deeper so that whatever the subject matter is, not just the traditional areas like sociology, anthropology, social sciences, humanities, but in the STEM areas, in the science areas, uh, in health science areas, that these aspects will be deeply integrated to the curriculum. A second area would be the, all the issues around the environment, sustainability, yeah. uh, climate change, how that's affecting our world. And again, the commitment is to integrate deeply through the curriculum. So it's not simply that these would be subject matters that would come up in science and engineering classes, but what are the philosophical and ethical issues related to climate change? What are the theological issues? How do we think about this from a legal framework? How do we think about this from a health sciences framework? economics, etc. So almost every discipline can find a way to connect and integrate mm-hmm. through their discipline. And then third, the third key area is the rapid increase in technology and its impacts on society. And I would say for better, and at times perhaps for worse, you know, good uses and misuses of technology, once again, throughout the curriculum. So technology is not just for the computer science majors or other STEM majors. But there's also the ethical and moral issues. We live in a region, our university exists in Seattle, where we have great technology leaders in this region. And they themselves are looking to us to help them think through what are the moral and ethical responsibilities they have as they develop artificial intelligence, as they go deeper in their technologies. And they're very interested in working with an institution like Seattle U precisely because of our background, our Jesuit values, our 500-year history, that we can provide something in this conversation in a way that other institutions cannot. So the fourth area I would talk about that I think gets at that whole person experience is strengthening our commitment to community-engaged learning. Seattle U is well known for its Center for Community Engagement, and we have, I think, 80% of our students currently, one way or another, opt in to community-engaged experiences, everything from service learning to working on very deep and sustained projects in nonprofits, in the community, in our local public schools. And so to build on that, our desire is to have community-engaged learning integrated throughout our entire curriculum so that it's not an opt-in opportunity, but in fact, it will come to characterize a Seattle University education, particularly at the undergraduate level. And so there's academic reflection Mm -hmm. on the experience that people have in the community built into the class. So the course readings, the course materials, help to educate and inform our students as they go out into the field, as they go out into the various communities we serve. And the experience that they have there, they'll bring back into the classroom in dialogue with the professor, their other students, and of course, the great literature and the studies that they'll be reading. So these are some ways that I see, I'm very hopeful about our future and the great work that our faculty will lead to reimagine and revise our curriculum. I think at the end of this process, Seattle, you will create a type of experience that will really speak to the next generation of college-bound students.
0: I want to make sure the listener also hears in your response with regards to the reinvigorated SU strategic goals, the sense of a tactile and integrated way of thinking about the nature of, of curriculum. And you began also with, with noting the leaders were were really hoping to form, they bring a kind of passion, competence moral conscience, and also engaging the social good. And that brings me to a question about what's new also at Seattle University, your introduction of the provost fellows. You've introduced this new opportunity for faculty under the name of provost fellows. And for the listener in our community, again, could you just say more about what are these provost fellows and how or in what ways will they help amplify or accentuate the SU strategic goals that you were just discussing?
1: Well, the idea of Provost Fellows grew somewhat organically from those who were working on implementation of this aspect of our strategic directions. And the more that we thought about it, it was a way to honor, recognize, support, encourage our faculty to do the leadership work that will be necessary to reimagine, revise our curriculum. This is faculty work. The faculty are the leaders of our academic curriculum. They own the curriculum. They deliver it in the classroom and even through extracurricular activities as well. And so it was clear to us that if we were truly serious about doing something meaningful that would not simply be fluff around the edges, but that would truly transform Seattle University's curriculum, this in no way could be a top-down Type of of enterprise that the faculty had to be very much at the center of this part of the work Mm -hmm. and own it and shape it, certainly with support and in partnership from the administration. And so, you know, the notion of academic fellows is there in a number of areas. We have ACE fellows and we have different other prestigious fellowships that, that faculty can apply for and receive. We wanted to elevate this work and to elevate the role that faculty have. But this isn't simply busy work. This isn't simply work that gets tacked on. We wanted to create the space within the faculty work life where they could do this work, which is a multi-year project, in ways that were thoughtful, in ways that were also done in community with each other, and in ways that helped what we learn be shared with higher ed more broadly. And so I'm so pleased that we had such an interest in these fellows. We were hoping to develop somewhere between 25 and 30 provost fellows who would be the true leaders of this big enterprise of reimagine and revise the curriculum. Of course, working with the entire faculty because everyone has a role in this, but we needed faculty leaders. We were hoping to develop 25 to 30. In various areas, and you know, we had close to sixty applications for these fellows, which really shows the great interest. And it was it was was challenging to select from those Mm -hmm. number of applications Mm -hmm. because all of our faculty were really really engaged in this. But it will give them the support in terms of their work schedule and support over the summers that they'll work to make this practical and possible for them. We'll bring them together as a cohort. And then subgroups as well that will be working on specific things. Mm -hmm. We'll allow them to do some benchmarking to look internally at Seattle U because we already have amazing faculty who are working in all of the areas that I called out. And what can we learn from our peers right in our own backyard? We'll also allow them to do some benchmarking nationally and globally with other institutions of higher education so we can learn from other good ideas as we create our own. And then finally, there's a very important dissemination piece. I believe that what we learn at Seattle U and what we're able to change and our success is something that we wanna share broadly with higher education. And so there are opportunities for faculty to write up their work and to publish this and to present at academic conferences and to be in dialogue with colleagues on a larger scale We think this is what it means to be part of an academic community. It also certainly helps Seattle U as it grows its own reputation as an institution. But it'll be great for faculty, too, because it means that they don't have to step out of their work as a faculty member to work on the curriculum. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it's integrated into the life of a faculty member, the fullness of a life of a faculty member, which includes their commitment to scholarship
0: but i imagine it's also not lost on the listener that in terms of enhancing the social good that's an individual hope or aspiration for the student but it's also exemplified as you just described by the university by doing that same kind of pursuing that same kind of track now, i want to ask you a little different question i in this respect the whole person also includes the provost and the kinds of visions that you have your enthusiasm for the lift of these fellows or the work that they might do. I mean, you've spoken at length on this and and thoughtfully with regard to the SU strategic goals and the directions that these fellows may be able to um, and will indeed pursue in the university. But is there a hope that's for you as the whole human being, uh, Provost Shane Martin, that's sinewed in the outcomes of their work or other places? What inspires you or or what's your, your singular sustaining hope in this work in the year to come?
1: It's a good time to ask that question as we start this academic year and look back, but we look forward as well. And what sustains me and gives me great hope is the vision that we have at Seattle University. Of course, that vision is while it's both grounded in our Jesuit roots, and it's also uniquely ours. So the updated Strategic Directions document does put forth a new vision statement for Seattle University that Seattle University strives to be one of the most innovative and progressive Jesuit and Catholic universities in the world, educating with excellence at the undergraduate, graduate, and professional levels. I find that vision statement to be inspiring, to be hopeful, to be compelling, and to be challenging all at the same time. And as I think of my leadership role as provost, I sit as the chief academic officer, really speaks to the kind of academic experience that I hope our students, our faculty, and staff all engage in in the future. As we think of Seattle University as a Catholic university, certainly it's a two thousand or year so tradition, and it's a big umbrella and What our intentions are is to say that within that big umbrella, we see ourselves claiming a space to be innovative and progressive. I think there's a lot of room for us to continue to discuss how we live that out and what that means i would never want to silence or shut down conversation on this. Mm -hmm. But as we think of our values at Seattle University, they do lean very much to being progressive and being innovative. Of course, we have to do this as a university. When we look at this vision statement to be innovative, progressive, Jesuit, and Catholic, those are all modifiers. The key noun there is university, And so we do all of this work first and foremost as a university. And that gives me great hope because we're an institution unlike any other in society. And we certainly, as I say, have those challenges, but the opportunities are amazing. Our faculty have a place from which to engage society through their scholarship, through their thought leadership and to engage students through their pedagogy. That there's no other institution that really has the same platform. And so imagine what that can do as a force for good and change, especially if it's focused in that way of being innovative and progressive, committed deeply to the common good, the social good, and to our deep notions of social
0: justice. A force for good and change? With the noun or nominative, as you've described, being the university and the collective work together, as you think about the arc of the year ahead, the work of the provost fellows, how we'll be engaging curriculum, how we'll be thinking or living through, I should say, the strategic goals. And as you think of that arc and as you're mindful of your enthusiasm in particular, what's arriving for you on the horizon where the whole community, you know, going back to our first question of the whole human person, but now in the plural, we seek opportunities to flourish and grow in the year ahead. As you look at that timeline in the arc, what are you excited by that you'd like the listener to just be mindful of and attentive to in the year ahead?
1: Another one of the Jesuit hallmarks is the care of the individual. It's a second cousin to uh, the the whole person. And it goes back to that Latin notion of cura personalis that's been associated with Jesuit education from the beginning. I think that's our secret. That's our opportunity is Mm -hmm. we, we will engage incredible opportunities for growth and change and transformation. We will build the university and grow the university in new ways, hopefully ways that Previously, we not even imagined, and we will be successful. We need to do all of that and also honor our commitment to the care of our people, our faculty, staff, and students. We need to do that with heart. We need to do that with compassion and help people move forward in different ways because you know, in our community, we all have different levels of readiness. I get the privilege of sitting in a leadership role where my job compels me to think about vision and think about the future and think about what could be, not simply what is. And, you know, that's exciting to me. It gives me great strength and hope and a lot of energy. But part of my responsibility is also to engage others, to not simply create a vision, but to create the environment where we develop a shared vision a together that is compelling and is exciting. There are just so many things I can see. I can see our future very clearly. And the good news is we have all the building blocks at Seattle U to build that future. It's not like we have to become a different university. There are some things we need to change about ourselves and there's, and there's things that we will, but we have all the right ingredients. With our faculty, with our incredible campus, with our amazing location, with our storied history and so many programs, solid academic reputations, Uh, we have all those right elements, those right building blocks. And so as I think of how we together put those, as we put those together as a community, you know, I do see a, a very bright future. And it's understandable that for many of our community members, our faculty and staff, Our students, they're focused on the day-to-day, and they're focused on the immediate problems, and those are very real, and we have to help them navigate those. But we can't lose sight of the big picture, and, you know, we're an institution now that is over 130 years old, 131st year. We've seen a lot of ups and downs Mm -hmm. as an institution. There were times in this institution wasn't even sure it was going it was going to make it <laughs> and, yeah. and uh and yet here we are today certainly with challenges but thriving and we have to take that view of the, of the long game if you will that long view so i get the, the privilege of thinking and dreaming a certain way and it's my responsibility to both listen but to invite others in and to get excited about that vision mm.
0: what could be what will be and to imagine that together in the numerous ways and features and capacities that you have described. Thank you so much, Provost Martin, for joining us today for this podcast. Thank you. It's always a privilege
1: to talk with you.
0: You've been listening to the Religica Theolab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. To learn more about the center's work and for resources to be used in local communities, visit us at seattleu.edu slash the center.